Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. With your hosts, Steve Katarzy and Bryn Jenkins. We are going to get into a bit of a masterclass today, yeah, Bryn? Yep. Um, we, we will continue to ebb and flow across topics that range from uh, things just for the beginner through to topics which are more for people that have already gone on the road towards having a more optimal or functional yeah. uh, relationship with food or training. This topic in particular is going to be for someone on that path, someone who's got high willingness and are looking to improve their capability specifically to training and in this case we're going to talk and be talking about the back squat and how both of us plus the clients that we've worked with been able to make remarkable improvements in their strength and performance as relates to the back squat through certain things we're going to talk about today yeah so if you're in a position where your back squat is okay but you think it could be better you just need some guidance on how to perform it in a more intelligent and deliberate way. Mm -hmm. This is the episode for you. Adaptation. We're going to structure into um, what we believe are four or five buckets. Um, the buckets will be um, talking about priming your muscles for movement. The second will be the brace and the setup. Um, as you prepare yourself to lift the weight. We'll then talk about the form and how you should think about the movement itself when you're performing the exercise. Um, we'll talk about your head game and how your mind needs to be ready to perform what could be quite a um, demanding and uh, scary exercise for some. Yeah. And then the last thing we may touch on and weave into the conversation is addressing your weaknesses as it relates to the squat itself. So there, there are there are five buckets, Bryn. Yeah. Um, you are definitely a leader and um, a, a heavy proponent of priming and activating your body yeah. ready for general exercise, but specifically yeah. demanding exercises such as the back squat. Yeah. How would you do that with your clients? So the first step I would take any of my clients or myself through is working on your range of motion, so increasing your mobility, because um, we've got to make sure you've got a good foundation of movement before you start chucking on weight on your shoulders and squatting. Um, so at the beginning of the session, I would take them through a full body mobility routine. So I'd work on ankles, hips, your T-spine, thoracic, so your thoracic spine upper spine um shoulders um also your knees because obviously when you're squatting that's important i take them through this full body mobility routine to get all those joints moving and warm and so that you're aware of each joint and how it moves first um before anything else so that'll be the first kind of layer there and on on this front uh specifically Bryn, we're not talking about lots of time and lots of complex movements. No. You're talking maybe two or three minutes, maybe, yeah. where you're look you're trying trying to create 
some uh, looseness in certain uh, joints. For example, with your ankles, you're getting them to do kind of foot circles, right? Just get those ankles yeah. primed. Yeah. Um, the thoracic, what would you do on the thoracic, for example? Um, so your thoracic uh, spine, you want to, I'd work on both rotation and extension because we spend a lot of time hunched over a, a desk at work or driving in this almost flexed position. So I try and open up your spine by getting you into extension. So you might and, you might lean on a, a foam roller uh, I, and I open up the back that way? Yeah, you could do it that way, or I'll do what most people know as cat camel, um, which okay. is a bit of a yoga move. Um, so that you're kind of like putting your butt out and yeah, uh, so, your chest up in one, on all fours, and then you're reversing that into like a like a cat yeah that's it position. yeah in a cat doing a stretch so on your hands and knees you want to flex the spine and then you're going to drop your chest down to the floor lift your head and that will bring extension into your thoracic so that's um, warming up the kind of motion of yeah. the, the thoracic spine and then you're trying to open it up by say lying on the floor foam roller behind your your shoulder blades lying back on it yeah and bringing your hands all the way back over your head into the floor again just trying to create some space yeah in the spine itself yeah because although we're looking at the thoracic it might not be and i don't want to get too technical with, with it but um it might not be the thoracic that's tight it could be your abs that are tight um and as you lean back over the foam roller it might just be uh you opening up the front of your body and breathe doing deep um uh diaphragmatic breathing to open up the intercoastal muscles in between your ribs get your um, belly to move and just loosen up all these tight areas okay although that's not specifically for squats itself that is a good uh, routine to do before any exercise just because i simply want to get all the joints isolate them and get them moving how would you isolate the hips the hips i would do things like hip circles so that's on your hands and knees again um, i'd lift one knee off and then I'll do hip rotations um, so I'll rotate one way round clockwise and then okay. I'll rotate hips anti-clockwise you can also do what's called fire hydrants where you lift your leg laterally so still like a knees, dog going for a wee like a dog going for a wee exactly okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and again all you're trying to do is you're, you're trying to prime that joint you're trying to create some yeah. fluidity and motion there but all of this stuff is going to be done really quickly, just a couple yeah, of minutes, a couple minutes just yeah. get some movement. Exactly. I'll start from the ankles, then knees, hips, thoracic, shoulders, maybe some wrists as well, depending on what you're doing. Okay. So um, that would be the kind of isolating range of motion for the specific joints. Yeah. Then what would you do? Then next would be your dynamic slash priming um movement and stretching drills um which now these do look a little bit more like the squat um so i if i'm gonna do a squat i would look to open up the hips so i might drop down into the bottom of the squat um hold the bottom of the squat and then i would just move around in that bottom position just loosen up my ankles loosen up my hips mm, because i know if i'm one. gonna be yeah if i'm gonna go down to squat i better be moving well in the bottom position or, or Try and get to full range. That makes sense, right? You know, before going to tax your body and lift something as heavy or heavier than you've ever done before, mm-hmm. how about you just make sure that you're ready to do the movement without the tax of that weight? And yeah. that's really what you're saying is yeah. spend just that little bit of time 
to get your body prepared in all those angles and movements and positions you're about to be in, get things loose and ready yeah. and comfortable, and then we can think about the weight. Yeah. And this doesn't need to be a really long time, but I like that, the idea of that resting squat body weight, you're just sitting down on the floor yeah. in a squat position, move yourself around, make sure things are nice and fluid. Yeah, so you're not what you're what you're not doing is doing a static stretch because you're not trying to relax the muscle, you're just basically trying to take your joints through full range, which therefore will have um, some stretching effect and opening of the hips, of the ankles. Um, I, quite, I quite also like, um, you know, like in that lunge position where you've got, you know, one foot on the floor, one knee on the floor, and you're in that lunge position, but you stay in there. Yeah. And then you're focused on bringing your hips forward yeah. and rotating them forward. Um, so your butt, your butt tightens a little bit. Um, it opens up the front of your hips. Yeah. And you're just again, you're just trying to create not necessarily uh, a lengthening of the muscle. Yeah. But you're trying to create a a just enough loosening of it so that you can experience what it feels like to be at lockout and yeah and and not have these chronically tight that gets in the way of that definitely fluidity you need in a squat. Yeah, because what you'll find again. Uh, um, a lot of the, the harm done to the, or, or the reason we have lack of mobility before squatting is because we sit quite a lot. Um, and if we sit, we're going to have tight hip flexors. So by doing the opposite and extending your hips, like you're saying there in a lunge position and actually extending and opening up the hips and opening up to loosen up the um, hip flexors is just a good idea before you're about to drop into a squat so you don't crank through your lower back too much and that you move, you're moving well through the joints that should be mobile. And then I guess the other things that I do personally, um, I'll happily do some bodyweight squats as well. Yeah. Um, and I might do that with, say, holding a, a plate in front of me and keeping mm -hmm. it out in front and going up and down. Um, I may do that with a kettlebell. Mm -hmm. uh, held close to my chest and doing some body weight squat or squats with just that small kettlebell again it's I'm trying to think about movement mechanics um, yeah. and just getting ready for the for the action yeah I also like unilateral stuff so mm. walking lunges and also these these lunges that you call airplane lunges where yeah. you kind of get into a, a lunge you then step up bring your knee out and then you lean forward on one on one foot, you lean forward and bring the other, bring the other leg back behind you, and your hands out like as if you're pretending to be an aeroplane, and then you rock side to side. And the reason I do that is not only do we want our do we want the movement to feel natural and free, we also got to think that whilst the big muscles are doing all, most of the work, the smaller muscles, the stability muscles in say your hip. If they are awake and they have been activated for motion, that makes a map. It could be a game changer yeah, in that strength and stability you need when you've got a lot of weight behind you. So, some lunges, some airplanes, other things that will stress and demand the smaller muscles unilaterally, i.e., one leg at a time. Yeah is a good way of them being prepared to use both legs together. Mm. So do some single leg moving around to be ready to do strong double leg work. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, just so through the dynamic um, priming, so you're obviously doing dynamic stretches like you're talking there, dynamic movements, so you're just working on 
creating more range of motion in your joints but then you're creating that stability around the joints as well and that you're just getting that cognitive awareness of your body so your brain is starting to really connect with your body and you you have a real sense of awareness of what's where yep okay so that i think would cover some movement so we've done we've isolated some of the joints just to make sure they're not too cold and rigid we've then done some dynamic stretches and some movements that simulate the squat uh, and we're thinking about some unilateral stuff to get the stability muscles mm -hmm. just awake then I guess we could work on uh, some activation drills. Yeah. And what I mean by that is there's certain muscles that need to be tight and um, you need to have a muscle-mind connection to so that when you perform the squat, typically some people can have sleepy glutes, mm -hmm. they can have quads that are not performing as optimally as possible and they end up putting too much stress on the back. Or they're not using their upper back and their core sufficiently in what should be a closed chain effort where all yeah. the muscles in your body are working together. So what I find to be really helpful is I think, okay, I want to wake up my glutes and I want to wake up my back, my mm -hmm. upper back, and I want to wake up my core. If I can wake those, up, those things up, I know my quads are going to go because it's such a quad dominant movement. And uh, I know everything else is going to work. If I get those things awake, yeah. then I've got that connection with it. And I can command those specific muscles to help me yeah. when I'm about to lift. Have you got any specifics in mind when you think about waking up the glutes and waking up the, the back and the core? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends because uh, this gets a little bit more individualized. So if they're during this activation phase, this is where you would work on your areas that you know tend to be lacking in not necessarily strength but it might be lacking in uh, recruitment during the squat so you're saying I, I know I need to fire up my glutes a little bit more get I mean this is anyone will benefit from firing up their glutes their overall core and their back um, anyway but if you know that you, uh, you have a, a, suffer with like glutes that don't necessarily fire up, you're going to do a little bit more work on your glutes. And a lot of women can suffer with that when yeah. they go, I just don't feel my glutes working in the, that in the connection. Spot. Yeah. And what that means is I don't know how to ask my glutes to perform. I don't, I don't have that ability to send a signal yeah. and get that response as strongly as I feel is necessary. So then what you, want, what you do is you don't necessarily want to fatigue the muscle some people talk about pre-fatiguing uh, muscles. In, in effect, what they're trying to say is work that muscle sufficiently ahead of the movement so you know what it feels like to ask that muscle to act. Yeah. And I typically find that glutes can be quite sleepy. What I do um, is I lie on my back. I get a, um, a medicine, not a medicine ball, a exercise ball. Right, okay. Uh, what are they called? A uh, Swiss ball. A Swiss ball, that's yeah. it. I get a Swiss ball on the floor. I lie on the floor. I put my heels onto the Swiss ball. Yeah. And then I, in one motion, I jack up um, my my butt off the floor mm -hmm. into a bit of a glute bridge. Yeah. So I'm lifting my hips up off of the floor with my feet on the Swiss ball and my upper back on the floor. And you doing those bridges... Not so, not loads of time so you're tiring yourself out, maybe five yeah. or ten times max. And you, what you're trying to do is you're trying to feel that squeeze right at the top. You do that a bunch of times, you'll know what it feels like to ask your glutes to behave. Because basically, in that motion, it's mostly the glutes having to do the work with the hamstrings. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, if you know that you're you're likely to, or, or you you don't connect well with that body part, yeah, then do it. Do it. Switch it on. Do, work on it, but don't fatigue it. Um, so it's more sort of isolation work on specific areas of your body that you find need to fire up beforehand. And I'll just do um, I'll do two sets of that. Yeah, superseted with some other motion, maybe for my back, and this will take me all of about another two or three minutes. Yeah, and then I know my glutes are ready. I know how to ask them to, to, to turn on when I need to, and then I've worked my back and my core just enough. Exactly. What we're talking about sounds quite technical, and oh god, it's going to take me an hour to do all this. But really, you run through your each joint, um, specifically doing your range of motion at the beginning, should only take you, you know, two minutes, three minutes max. And then you go into your dynamic priming, stretching, and movement. Again, that should only take you another three to five minutes. And the activation work, which we're talking about now, kind of ties into that as well. So it's almost as one. Yeah. Um, but it's just to break it down to to make it really clear in, in what our objective is. Exactly. And for example, those glute bridges may not be necessary for some people who have a really good connection with their glutes already. They know that they can always demand from them and yeah. they know they always turn up. Yeah. In that case, skip the glute activation stuff. Maybe I'd think about... Maybe switching their abs, you know, abs. on their abs, yeah. So for me, um, side planks and planks are a good way of just asking the core to get yeah. ready and and experience what it feels like to engage your core. Yeah. And I might just do a couple of side planks. Mm-hmm. Um, for the back, um, a go-to for me is anything with bands. So I will try and... Uh, um, distract bands or sep- um, do band, band pull-aparts. Yeah. Anything that takes a band in front of you and pulls it apart whilst keeping tension in the back, what that creates is a is a nice, tight connection with your upper back, the muscles in and around your shoulder blades and your traps and the back of your shoulders. They have to get lit up to pull apart a band. You do that. And there's a few different variations of those, but you do yeah. some kind of variation of that. That's important because when you're under the bar, this is a full body exercise. You are not yeah. just, there's this misnomer that when you squat, it's just about your quads. That can be further from the truth. You've got your quads, you've got your calves, you've got to some degree your hamstrings, you've definitely got your glutes, you've got your lower back, you've got yeah. your upper back. You've got the back of your shoulders, and then you've got your core. Yeah. It's a lot working just to get the bar going from, you know, the top of the squat to the bottom of the squat and back up again. So the back for me, I think, is a game changer. Get your back tight and ready to be tight, and it will make a big difference to your lift. Yeah, huge difference. I mean, those what you've touched on are the the sort of key areas that I would mostly focus on with someone when I first start with them before I know what their individual needs are I would go okay let's get the upper back warm let's get that moving let's prime that let's um, fire up the abs let's get all of the core working to the glutes um, and these are the sort of hot areas that I like to work on before doing the squat as opposed are, to focusing on the quads because you yeah. know everyone knows the quads need to work and they are going to work. Yeah. They're, they're going to be involved in the game. Now, they, you may have weak quads and you will compensate by doing weird things under the bar when your weeks and your quads are not as strong as, say, your back. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but really, you're not having to prime your quads because they're such a dominant um, 
participant in the movement. Mm. But if people don't have a connection or an association that their glutes have to work just as hard and their upper back work needs to work just as hard and their core needs to be fully engaged, if you don't have that mental expectation, mm. you'll go in thinking, I just need to use my quads and you will collapse under the weight which means you won't be able to lift as much as your body is potential of doing without even building any more muscle. You can easily yeah. put on, you know, depending on the weight you're, you're lifting, you can easily put on between 20 and 40 kilograms onto the bar in a very, very short period of time. It could be in one session, yeah. but within a few, just by doing the things we're going to say in this episode. Exactly. And activation stuff, I think, is a go-to. I might spend all in... I could spend as much as 15 minutes just on the stuff we've said, but I I know I will dial that down if I don't have enough time. Yeah. So if I have time on my hands, I'll do things, I'll really go through the, the drills. If I've only got five minutes, I'll select the ones that I think are going to give me the biggest bang for my buck. Yeah. I'll probably skip the isolating range of motion, but I'll definitely do some dynamic and prime motions. I'll probably do a Cossack squat, some body weight squats, I might do some lunges, mm -hmm. and then I'll do some activation of my back and my core, and then I'm good to go, because my yeah. glutes I have control of now. Exactly. Yeah, you're, you're quite right there. Just spend between five to 15 minutes before. it. I mean, we're talking about strength here, so we're talking about lifting heavy weight. So we just want to get your body ready. So if you spend that time getting your body ready, you'll more than likely feel much better under the bar and you'll probably see your um, numbers increase. Exactly. And then the last thing in this kind of priming uh, for movement is um, the last thing you should do on any big compound exercise is to go in straight to your max weight. Yeah. It just, it, it doesn't serve you. Now, if you, if, if you don't really ever experience max weight lifting and the weights you do are 8 to 12 reps and it's like a 60% exertion rate, maybe you can go straight in at your weight. Maybe. I would still try and do some kind of warm-up set. But if you are lifting very heavy or to your kind of maximum potential, you're trying to get 4 to 8 reps in, I, should, I would absolutely like to see you do two or three warm-up sets. And warm-up sets are... You know, you don't have to build too much time in here. But say, for example, I'm going to do a... I think I'm about 140 kilograms at a low bar back squat at the moment. I know I could do much more, but that's currently where I'm at. I will... Might load up a plate either side and have my first... Actually, no, I'll tell the lie. I'll probably just do a quick fire 10 reps with the bar. Yeah. Just get the, get the movement. I then might stick on a plate on either side. So that now is now 60k... I'll do five, seven reps and that. Again, I've probably rested anywhere between six, 30 and 60 seconds between these two mm -hmm. sets. Just getting the getting motion familiar to me. Um, then after that, I'll probably from, say, 60, I might go to 80, 90 kilograms, get two to four reps out. Again, I'm not trying to tax my body at this point. Yeah, that's quite important. I'm just trying way. to get used to this idea of progressively putting the weight to the, the heaviest weight that yeah. I'm used to. Definitely. So I'll put some extra weight on, two, two to four reps, okay, that feels comfortable, my form isn't breaking down, I'm feeling strong, great, load a little bit more weight up. Mm -hmm. So the idea is you do anywhere between two to four sets max, progressively loading weight up to, say, the, the set before you work out, say, 90% of the weight you want to get to. Yeah. 
So if I'm doing 140K, that last that last warm-up set might be 115, 120K, and I'm doing one or two reps. Yeah. And then that's it. I'll then take two to three minutes out, and then we're in on my working sets. Yeah. And my working sets can range from three sets to five sets, depending on the type of program I'm running. Mm-hmm. Um, but that investment in amping up the weight I think is really important. I don't think you find any, say, powerlifter or strongman or, or bodybuilder that would go into really heavy lifting on any compound lift, specifically the squat, and just go straight in on the heaviest. Yeah. You just wouldn't do it. I think the the obviously we want to work towards that um, starting weight without fatiguing our body. But the other thing that it does as well is it makes us feel what's going on within the body. So if I'm warming up, I'll be paying attention to how my body feels because some days I might not be able to lift as heavy as I did last week. That's true. And I'll know that during my warm-up sets because I might get to my last warm-up set, which is about 90% of my weight. And that, for some reason, was really, really hard. Really, really hard. And, I, and I'll know then, okay, maybe I shouldn't lift that weight today. Um, maybe I didn't get enough sleep. Maybe yeah. I'm distracted. Maybe I've got other things in my mind. For whatever reason, maybe I'm in a calorie deficit. You know, maybe my diet's been out of whack. For whatever reason, today doesn't feel like the day I should yeah. push myself to my limit. Exactly. And you'll, as you say, you'll get those signals yeah. within your warm-up sets. This is a really, really good point. Yeah, and, and another point I'd like to make as well is um, touching back on activation, I sometimes tie my activation in between my warm-up sets because when I do my um, warm-up set, I might feel that I'm not connecting with my glutes. So then I'll go, okay, right, now I'm going to work on a little bit more glute work in between um, my recipes. an efficient way to do that, actually. Yeah, so then you can do your warm-up sets and pay attention to what's going on within the body and then you can gauge what you need to kind of work on and fire up and then when you do that, you can retest on your next warm-up set and go, do I feel better? Because sometimes, a lot of it, if you've been sitting down all day and and you're squatting, you just feel tight. You just don't fluid you might just need to spend a little bit more time on firing up those prime movers i i agree um i do this on my knees it's, my knees can be problematic um mainly because i allow them to track in uh less than perfect uh like the path that paths and, and then it can cause them to kind of flare up and get a little bit sore so if i if i feel the earliest signal mm-hmm. That my knees are just not they weren't very happy in one of my warm-up sets that's that's a, a signal to me that i probably should do something in between those sets so i'll yeah. go down and i'll kind of stretch my quads a little bit you know i might do the world's greatest stretch and just try and get a little bit more kind of ligament kind of uh loosening in and around the knees and i think okay i want to actively focus on my knees being out when i when i do my my sets therefore what can i do to um wake up my glute med a little bit more or something like that mm-hmm. so that's a good point try yeah. and listen to your body understand where there might be weakness or tightness try and correct it through your workout sets it's an efficient way to use your time ahead of doing, doing sets for sure. okay so that covers say the priming and, and an activation bucket the next bucket of a good strong optimal squat is understanding how to set up and how to brace for the movement now, I really enjoy squats, but there's this um, this this balance between enjoyment and anxiety yeah. with squats. I enjoy doing them, 
but they make me feel a little bit worried mm. just because they're such a highly demanding exercise and if any part of your form is broken you feel it yeah so what things can you do to um, prepare yourself for the movement yeah. specifically when the bars on your back how to set yourself up there's a few things feet placement number one um, with feet placement this is going to be very individualized yeah. based on your body mechanics your the length of your specific limbs yeah, um, anatomy build anatomy up, yeah. how your hip is constructed it does vary between person to person um, but the general guidance is shoulder width maybe slightly wider apart mm -hmm. than that your your toes um are not going to be straight ahead they're going to be slightly kicked out for some people their range of motion will be pretty uh, naff so they might have to kick their then it twists their toes out quite a bit yeah. to allow for their ankles to be able to handle that level of flex. Yeah, because I know I need to turn my right out a little bit more than my left. Um, so, yeah, it's completely individualised. But person. I would say as a general guide, like from a healthy perspective, your, your, your feet are slightly wider than shoulder width apart and then maybe, say, 15 to 20 degrees rotated outwards yeah that's probably a nice place to be and if you need to go in a little bit more or out a little bit more to feel comfortable find that comfortable space without the weight on your bar yeah. on your back or maybe just the barbell and once you find that groove try and keep to that consistently and yeah. try not to think about your feet placement every time once yeah. you know it the last thing you want to do is when you're preparing for a lift have to think through all of these things you want this, these things to feel like muscle memory you yeah. go in and it's just all Automatic. Yeah. You put your feet in the right place, they're in the right degree of uh, external rotation and you're good to go. Yeah, and that, another way if you want to try this as well is jump on the spot. Wherever you land usually tends to be your sort of natural squat stance. That's another way um, of trying to get people to figure that out. So. Or something similar actually is get get your your, your feet in a, um, a um, width that you think is your, your go-to. But maybe what you're trying to work out is where should my where should my toes go as in how far should I externally rotate what I try and do is I then I get onto my uh, onto my heels mm -hmm. and I wiggle my toes let them move freely and then drop them down and wherever they drop is a close indication of where they should be yeah a couple of things to try and work out what's good for your anatomy so that's the feet placement the next thing with the feet will be about contact with the floor i see some people um put too much weight on the, the on their heels and their toes are almost floating mm. that's not a good place to be guys you want to be thinking about gripping the floor with your feet imagine your feet as hands and you're trying to squeeze the floor and grip and hold onto the floor so you're trying to bring your hip your arch up Mm -hmm. and you're trying to bring your toes in yeah. and you're trying to create this point that as many points of contact as possible so your heel is solid on the floor um, the, the ball, balls of your feet are solid on the floor and your, so your, pink, your, your small little pinky toe that is connected and gripping to the floor three mm -hmm. points of solid contact where you're trying to grip the floor and what that will create is an even distribution of both pressure and weight so that you've got, you could think about it this way, the squat has to start with its foundation, your connection to the floor. 
because that's where you're going to transfer the weight from and the power from. If your feet are loosely connected to the floor in a suboptimal way, mm -hmm. you're going to lose power at the bottom of the squat. We can't fire a cannon from a canoe, right? <laughs> so good, good analogy. You've got like to. <laughs> um, you've got to. When I talk about the the feet to certain clients, they look at me like, "Well, I don't care. I don't care what my feet are doing. I just want to squat this weight and squat it as heavy as I can." But you've got to think that your foot <coughs> wants to be stable. Your foot doesn't want to be floppy and loose. Your foot wants to be a stable platform for you, therefore, to squat from that's really connected to the floor. So it's so important just to set your feet up right to build a strong squat. It's so important. So, yeah. So that's, that's um, gripping the floor and the points of contact. The next is screw driving the feet. So what do I mean by that? So you're going you're gonna to have listened to the first point, put your, put your, your feet at the right width apart, and your toes pointed out appropriate to your anatomy through trial and error. The next thing you want to do is you want to imagine rotating your feet out. So you're trying to screwdriver them into the floor, but you don't want the feet to actually move. Yeah. This, this uh, cue or this kind of sensation, what this actually does is it, it kicks the knees out slightly, ready for the movement, and it activates your rotating muscles your glute your glute med and like the outside of your legs the, the the outside of your quads it's really important because you want your knees to track outwards mm -hmm. and you want your uh, pelvis to not be tilted forward it needs to be neutrally placed because if it's overly tilted forward it's going to put too much pressure on your back and uh, it's not going to activate the muscles appropriately. Yeah. So screwdrive your feet into the floor. It's probably out of all the things we say now, the biggest one. Yeah. Screwdrive your feet. It'll activate your glutes. It'll activate the sides of your legs, and it will ensure that your knees are more likely to have an outward path as opposed to an inward path. Yeah. But the the um, image I like to have in my head is that I'm standing on. Uh, newspaper I'm trying to rip that newspaper apart and also when you're scrunching your feet into the floor like trying to scrunch that paper up nice. so it's kind of scrunching the paper and then ripping it and, apart and twisting it outwards right but out, key thing here guys is your, your feet are not moving you are just um, you're pushing against the resistance of them planted onto the floor and creating yeah. this external rotation in both legs that talk, yeah the next one which is very similar uh, sorry is very connected is the glute so just that motion alone will probably fire up the glutes. But on top of that, purposely tighten your butt. Tighten your butt. Just you know what that feeling is to just get a tight, tight butt. And in doing so, that too is going to try and correct any anterior, i.e., forward leaning tilt of the pelvis and bring that pelvis into a neutral position, your hips into a neutral position for the movement, taking the extension out of your back. Mm -hmm. So squeeze the glutes. So you've feet placement, screwdriver the feet outwards, squeeze the glutes. The next is, again, you've got the bar on your back. The next is, either, and I would do this before you rack, is I want to get that bar low. Just uh, there's that natural groove that, they will, that the bar will fit onto your shoulders. And when you've got a, that grip, I want to get the hand grip as close as you can without putting pressure, so uncomfortable pressure on both your shoulders 
or your wrists. These two areas are probably going to be quite tight and inflexible for most people because of the way we stand and the way we sit. But try and get your hands as close to your shoulders whilst allowing your um, wrists to not break much. And really what you're trying to create is a super tight upper back. Mm. Think about your scapula, which are your shoulders, and think about the muscles that are in and around your, your shoulders, uh, the backs of your shoulders, your traps, uh, the rhomboids, which is our, you know, the muscles right on the kind of spine itself. Mm. Think about bringing those shoulders back and down and creating this really solid upper back where you're just like gripping on for dear life to the bar. You're creating tension everywhere because the squat is all about a closed chain of every muscle firing and working together. Mm -hmm. And if all you think about is this being a leg dominant exercise and you don't do anything with the, the back, the back is gonna chill when you need it to help. Yeah, you need so, this like full body tension created from the floor all the way through up to the bar because you're working on your feet and your glutes and you're gripping that bar and you're squeezing your back you've now got this tension throughout all of the body haven't you that's now not the allowed chain, chain is closed and, and it's tight yeah, yeah exactly so absolutely when you think about that back keep shoulder blades back and down our hands as close as comfortable allowing your wrists not to break but that tightness to form in your lower back and put that bar low enough such that it fits on the natural groove or on kind of like, you know. Uh, Sitting on your traps and your rear delts almost. Not on your it? traps, it's like on your rear delts, yeah. On your traps would be too high, but sitting on your rear delts as well. Yeah, uh, so, um, yeah, it depends where you place the bar because you, you squat quite a low bar at that. You prefer low well, bar. Well, we're talking you? low bar here, yeah, but there um, is high bar where you can have it higher and more yeah, on your traps. Yeah, mine tend to sit on the traps. Um, but yeah, so that's a good point. Just make sure it's really tight. Another thing I like to do is pull the bar into my back. As if I'm trying to bend the bar, I pull it into my back like that. For me, it just feels like really It's a good cue. It gets it. the back going in the exactly. same way, right? Okay, so that's a tight back. And then the last thing to think about around setup and bracing. This was probably, out of everything that we've spoken about, their foundations, but the thing that advanced my squat strength probably the most is this, which is bracing. And what do I mean by bracing? What I don't mean by bracing is try to tighten your abs like you're about to have a selfie taken and your, and your abs to be as popping as possible. Because yeah. what you do there is you're, you're, you're just tightening the, the, the abdominals and you're squeezing them in, trying to create this sense of this look that you've got a narrow waist. That is not the bracing we're talking about here. That will not give you the maximum result. Instead, what we want you to do is think about taking a big gulp of air, holding then holding your breath, and pushing your abs and your stomach out. So if you've got a uh, if you've got a, um, a belt, this is a great sensate. It's a great tool to help you feel what this feels like. But you can do this without a belt as well. But imagine pushing outwards. Try and balloon your stomach out. 
It's not going to look attractive. You're not going to have the, the slimmest waist when you do this, actually. You're going to look quite bloated. Yeah. But that is what you need. You need all of the core muscles, which are inside and deep. So your deep abdominal walls that you're trying to get this deep abdominal pressure, aren't you? Yeah. It's not just the abs. You want to think about... A way to de describe it is... 360 degree circumferential pressure. You want, imagine your whole waist and imagine you're trying to balloon it all out. So yeah. imagine like you can balloon your back out and you can balloon your obliques out and you can balloon the front of your stomach out. You want it all to pop out, creating this thickest possible waist as possible whilst holding your breath and keeping it tight. That for me, if I can maintain that tension, as I get low into the squat, that's what gets me out yeah. more than my legs. If the, if my core turns off at that critical point when I'm weakest, I will start to collapse under the weight, and that can lead to me having to somehow drop the weight mm. or me struggle to get out in a way which is going to cause injury. Yeah. So really think about bracing, which is holding your breath, pushing your belly out like a balloon, as opposed to bringing it in in that kind of um, attempt to make your abs pop. Yeah, I remember um, years ago I was in the gym and uh, a guy came up to me and he said, why don't you try bracing? I was like, what, what does that mean? He was like, take a deep breath of air in and, and hold it when you when you squat and deadlift. And I was like, okay. And what I didn't realise was I took a deep um Chest deep breath. breath. Yeah, I was chest breathing. So I was like, I pulled the air in and I lifted my chest and shoulders and was breathing. So you're creating tension neck. on the from your basically chest upwards yeah. versus tension rather than allowing down. My, yeah, rather than breathing down into my belly by um, breathing into the diaphragm, getting the diaphragm to push down and create pressure on the um, the deep abdominal wall. I was just pulling the air in, lifting my chest, lifting my shoulders. And actually pulled my tummy in, and this is quite common. Yeah. And then I tried to squat, and I was actually even worse off than before. So you stopped doing that. Yeah. So it's so important, <laughs> like you're saying, to expand the belly. Don't draw it in. You want to expand. Not a good look, guys, but it's what makes a difference. And I, because we were doing this on podcasts, I just want to use um, an analogy here so that you can get a better idea. Is I always say, imagine if you've got a plastic bottle, and you were to blow blow air into that bottle and then put the lid on it. You can't crush that bottle because it's, oh, it's yeah. airlock, it's tight, and that won't crumple when you're squatting down your midsection. Whereas if you suck the air out, it's got no out. tension at all. Exactly. If there's no air in it and you, you put the lid on, you can, oh, I don't have the lid on it, and you crush the bottle, it will crumple. So, yeah. Good, um, good point. So there, there are go-to bracing and setup movements ahead of actually starting the movement. Yeah. Now let's talk about the squat itself. You are now ready, you are braced, you are loaded, you're about to do the squat. I would actually say everything we're saying you should apply across every single one of your lifts, mm -hmm. including the warm-up sets, because that's the time yeah. to practice. That's the time to get it all dialed in, so that such that when you get into your heavy lifts, you're thinking about it less because you practice the motion so much that now you can just think about moving the weight from A to B. Yeah. The last thing you want to be doing is when you've got really heavy weight, is like, okay, am I doing this? Am I doing that? And is my form right? Is it looking like this? You don't have the mental space to think about form when you are lifting maximally. Mm. You just want to have the you want to have the comfort in knowing you really know what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. But do this across every single lift. 
What and have it, we got for the form, Brent? So for the form, uh, before we squat again, we need to just touch on breathing and bracing again. So again, make sure you brace first before you go down into the squat. So you're set up, ready to go. Um, as you squat, you want to make sure you hold your breath. As we're talking about that intradermal pressure, you want to hold that pressure during the whole the, the whole movement. Because what we, we've often seen in the past is when people go down to the bottom of the squat, they let the air out. It's like taking the lid off that plastic bottle and then it just crumbles. At the weakest point. At the weakest point. I would definitely do this, Brent. I'm going right in circles, I'm sucking myself out. <laughs> I've got the bar on my back. I'm ready to go. I might instinctively before knowing this I might have held my breath a little bit I don't know but if anything you think I want oxygen so the last thing I want to do is not breathe so I'm going to like breathe all the time and you know I might be taking a couple of breaths throughout the one rep yeah and all that does is it just it just takes the tension out of the system what made the biggest difference is holding that breath and the, my analogy is I'm going to take a big gulp of air like imagining you're about to go underwater and you're going to snorkel, yeah. and you might be underwater for a minute or so. Or it's one of those little challenges when you're in a bath and you want to see how long you can hold your breath for. That's the same mental game for me. Is that yeah. the moment I start the movement, imagine I'm about to go underwater, and therefore I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. And once I'm at the top of the squat, I'm now allowed to breathe again and ready and hold that breath ready to go underwater again. Yeah. Imagine that same cue. So you're just about to go deep breath, hold it nice and tight, and stay in that held breath at the bottom of the squat and even the ascent. And once you're at the top, you know, breathe out, re, re oxygenate, hold your breath, go again. Mm, yeah. And that tension, I'm telling you guys, is a game changer if you are not already doing it. Yeah, it's a great analogy. The next thing around the, the form is around breaking, breaking the, the joints, ready to movement. Um, so you would have heard loads of different cues. Some people say, you know, start with um, basically drawing your hips back and breaking from your hips. Yeah, stick your bum out. Stick your bum out and back and then, you know, start to break from your knees. Um, and the the guidance there is, is, is useful. It's effectively trying to prevent people from leaning forward too much yeah. and putting too much pressure on the knees and having the knees uh, overextend and go too far forward because you're just going to put too much pressure on the knees and it's actually a weak place to, to do a squat. Yeah, well, all your weight goes on the toes, doesn't it? So you're just leaning forwards now. So I can understand why there's been this guidance to kind of hit back. It's a good uh, cue for beginners, but as you start to get more experience and you start to test yourself and push yourself to the limits, I actually found that that was a counterproductive cue. Mm. Because if I lean, if I pull my my hips too far back before I start breaking at my knees, it basically primes me for putting too much dependence on my back, and it makes me lean forward too much. Yeah. So I don't like to do that. So instead, and this is really where if you hit, listen to any powerlifter or anyone who's who's about maximal lifting, they'll actually say. The advanced way to do it is break simultaneously. Mm. So you're thinking about dropping into that squat where you are simultaneously breaking at the knees and pulling your bum back and kind of hip hinging. You want to do at both the time, at yeah. the same time, perhaps with this, the slightest bias towards like the first, very first movement being the hips just to start that descent. But it shouldn't be a two-step process. Yeah. It shouldn't be hips back, knees down. 
it should be hips really back, movement. knees bending, yeah. all in one motion. That will be the most natural and it will be the strongest. Yeah, I, I, I experienced the same. Um, I used to get, I used to stick my bum back which meant I would lean forwards, I'd go down into the squat, and at the bottom of the squat, I would be able to get back up, yeah. because I would, but I would good morning the way back up. Or you feel like you're going to fall over. Yeah, I, I lean all my weight on my toes, because I've leaned forwards too much, and then getting up a lot harder than it should be. <clears throat> so now I've changed to breaking at the hips and the knees at the same time, I drop directly down, drop as opposed down. to leaning forwards. Uh, yeah, and it's been game changer because now I'm in a better position at the bottom, which is the weakest position, yeah. which allows me to get back up without struggling too much or being pulled forwards. And, and another cue behind this was to effectively, um, people would say, don't let your knees track ahead of your toes. In actual fact, they are allowed to track a little bit ahead. A little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, I wouldn't, you know, again, if you're, if you're putting too much emphasis on that forward lean and you're kind of, your toes are taking too much of the pressure, you will be putting too much joint pressure on the knees but if you listen to the cue we've just said your your knees are going to go forward and they'll probably go to your toes they might overextend just slightly ahead of your toes you that's at, actually not a bad thing yeah if you look at um uh, like olympic weightlifters you should see them at the bottom of the snatch you know they've got that they might have a 100 150 even and more then, kilograms their knees are forward yeah and when you do an overhead squat um you're very upright and having to bend a lot of the knees and the knees are tracking so far forward you mean how how but mm. they're fine so obviously that whole notion of not going past your toes is, is, is i think is grounded on on um good guidance but just don't get don't think okay so when i squat my knees definitely cannot track forward all you're going to do is you're going to limit your strength by doing that they are yeah. going to need to track forward and it is okay to do it's so movement, but yeah. you do want to think about the weight you want to think about the weight dropping down straight down and however you do that is how you should do it yeah okay so then so we've got the breaking next one for me big one chest up so if you hear if you what if you read any kind of um, guidance from a biomechanical standpoint and you look at what a squat looks like uh, at the bottom of the squat you'll see that the, someone's spine will be neutral but at 45 degrees they won't be upright it's impossible to do a back squat and be upright mm -hmm. So you will have a forward lean. But what I was doing is I was listening to that cue of, yeah, I'm going to be 45 degrees. And therefore, I was overcompensating and not being 45 degrees. I was down at the bottom of my squat. I was looking at the, the floor directly ahead of my toes. And I was allowing my body to completely collapse. Mm. So down at the bottom, I may be at 70 degrees from upright in this really uh, length forward position. And that's a really hard place to get out of. It means that I'm now going to have to put an, an enormous amount of pressure on my lower back to get out of that position. Mm. Um, and it is demanding less of my quads. So what I've had to kind of recondition my thinking to is, yes, I don't want to be upright, but I want to try and be upright. I know I can't be. Biomechanically, it won't allow me to. Yeah. But if I think about trying to be upright, when I feel myself, I end up being at 45 degrees. Yeah. So the cue for me is I want to think about my chest. If you look, if you're looking in the mirror, I want to think about exposing and peacocking as much of my chest throughout the entire motion. I want it to be up and forward as opposed to down facing the floor. Mm. Again, 
it won't stay up. It won't stay completely forward. Yeah. But trying to cue it to do that is going to put you in a much healthier position at the bottom of the squat. Yeah, you'll feel a bit more uh, in line and getting your spine stacked so you're not leaning forwards too much. Again, it kind of ties in with that same movement. If you drive your hips back too much and you lean forwards too much and you're not lifting your chest, then you're just going to fold forwards at the bottom of the squat. So by keeping your chest up as well, so obviously we broke at the knees and the hips simultaneously, you drop down, you're keeping your chest up, you'll just feel that much better and that much more stable in the squat under the bar. So a couple of things to do to kind of create that position as well as just thinking about it. If you're in a mirror, try and see as much of your chest. Yeah. Um, I would, in terms of um, glance and head positioning, I kind of want my head to be neutral. I don't want it to be jacked up and looking like as if you're straining at your neck. I also don't want to be looking at the floor because I don't think that's productive. I've tried it and it, does, it, 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 it promotes too much lean looking directly where your feet are. Yeah. Instead, I want to be looking kind of ahead and down. So, I don't know, maybe look at something eight feet ahead of you on the floor, eight to ten feet ahead. Look at that position. Try and keep your position, your eyes fixated to that point on the floor. It keeps enough forward orientation of your head and therefore your chest um, without being too far forward where now you don't have that um, that feeling of moving up and down. You don't want to be looking forward or up because in doing so, you don't have that kind of, uh, this kind of, um, this feeling of, pulling away from the floor. You need to have that sensation of movement away from the floor. Therefore, that's why you need to look at it. But you need to look far enough ahead so your chest is upright. Yeah. And you've got another cue to keep your chest upright as well. Around the, throwing the bar back. Yes. Um, yeah, actually, that's a good point. So when you're coming out from the bottom of the squat and you're coming up, think about throwing the bar as if you're trying to throw the bar. Don't actually throw it. Imagine you're coming up out squat and trying to throw that bar off your shoulders. By doing that, that will get your chest up and it will get you leaning up against the weight, okay? So it'll help you fight the weight when you're in the bottom. As opposed to being collapsed forward. Being collapsed forward, yeah. because that's what I used to suffer with. I used to drop down at the bottom of the squat. As I would come up, I would lean forwards. And now I think about trying to throw this bar off my shoulders so I start leaning back and fighting against that resistance. It's a really good cue. I use that a lot now. At the yeah. bottom of that squat, try and throw the bar to the back of the room and it just creates a bit more tension to get out. Um, then we have um, squeezing the bar. So I've kind of spoken about it before. You want to tie it back as well as tight abs, as well as tight glutes, and the legs ready to go. So to keep the tightness in the back, shoulders, sorry, um, shoulder blades down and back, but also squeeze the bar. That's another cue to really just tighten up the back muscles. When you tighten that bar, try and break that bar, it just naturally creates tension yeah. in, the, in the upper back. The last point of form is your knees. And this is really, really important. A healthy, dynamic, um, strong looking squat, mm -hmm. whether you've realized it or not, is where your knees are allowing space for your hips as you get down into the bottom of the squat and they stay out. Think of like almost being a bit a frog looking mm -hmm. at the bottom of the squat. The biggest issue people have, beginners or people who haven't understood squat form that you see, which is both dangerous, 
prone to injury and not strong, is to get out of the bottom of the squat, they end up bringing their knees into each other. So they may have some distance down at the bottom, but mm-hmm. to get out, the knees collapse inwards to try and get themselves up. Yeah. I used to do this. I would do it without realising, then when I realised it, I would do it and not know how to correct it. This idea of when you're under pressure and the weight's heavy, your knees collapse in. I will say when you really, really push the weight, um, you're always fighting against this. Yeah. There, there's always this kind of feeling to your body wants to help you out of the lift and therefore your things collapse in. If I bring my knees in, I create a little bit more stability under the bar to get out. It is going to give you give you knee pain. It's going to cause instability and it's not safe and there's a good chance that you're, you're limiting some of your strength. Yeah. So instead, you need to visualise at the point of breaking and going down into the squat, you want to think landing down at the your bottom of the squat with your knees out like a frog mm-hmm. and as you get out you want to try and keep those knees out as much as for as long as possible yeah. until you're in that kind of stance again that, that kind position. of works with you screw driving your feet and externally rotating your legs exactly so. and the muscles that are going to help you do that the the bits that i know fire is that the outer edge of your glutes it's called the glute med so it's the if you think about your, your your bum muscles, um, the outside part of your bum muscles to the sides, you will feel those kick off to try and keep the knees out as you try and stand up. So you want to feel those fully activating and working for you. And then similarly, your the outer edges of your quads. Again, these muscles on the side of your legs are going to try and externally rotate and bring those knees out. You want to feel a good connection to those two muscles and keep them turned on throughout the lift, and that'll keep your knees out. Yeah. I think, you know, form-wise, you do those things, you hold your breath, you break from the hips and your, your knees simultaneously, you keep your chest up, you have good neutral uh, head with a, an eye glance yeah. eight to 10 feet ahead of you, you tighten your back by squeezing the bar, and you keep your knees out, bang. Yeah. You've got a good solid squat. And, th- and there's a lot of points here that we've spoken about that might not uh, necessarily help you because you're already doing it. There might be just one or two points that uh, you may be listening going, ah, maybe I need to work on that or I might need to try this. So you might want to add in something like the chest up or you might want to work on getting your knees out um, because there might only be one or two things that are technically breaking down for you. So give it a go and maybe sometimes the best way to get that feedback is someone watching you and doing yeah. some form of analysis of your movement you like to film I like to film I yeah. it feels a little bit uncomfortable but there is a big difference between what you think you're doing mm-hmm. even if you're looking at yourself in the mirror <laughs> and what you're actually doing yeah like I like to take side shots of me squatting so I can actually see the angle of descent and then I might look um, from behind to see, are my knees collapsing in? Mm-hmm. I like to get that feedback because you're your best critique, but you need to be objective and say, I might think I'm doing it right, but let me film myself and see if I'm actually doing it right. Some some small corrections could make a massive difference. Yeah, it's just being able to analyse it afterwards, isn't it? So, so if you really care about optimising your squat, a little bit of filming probably will help. <laughs> now, there are, there are common weaknesses that you probably have or would benefit from improving on. Typically, the toughest part of the squat is the first 
three inches of the ascent. So from the bottom of the squat, trying to get out of it, those kind of that getting out of that first, maybe up to six inches of the movement are going to be the most demanding and the most difficult for your yeah. body. It's the most vulnerable part that you are in at that in the squats. Yeah. So what can you do to strengthen the bottom of your squat and effectively strengthen the two dominant muscles that will help you get out of there, which yeah. are your quads and your glutes. That's when they're that's when you're gonna need them to most fire up when you're at the bottom of the squat to help you get out of the what we call the hole right at the bottom. Um, so working on these areas, how do you do that? Um, actually, a good way of helping you if you really struggle at, and you're getting stuck at the bottom of the squat is pause squats. Um, this is something I, I love pause squats. I use it a lot myself and on clients. When you get to the bottom of the squat, you do this with a, a, a suboptimal weight that's not your max weight. So maybe you take fifty percent of what you normally do. Yeah, or, or maybe maybe not as much as that. Maybe you just take off um, just twenty percent, maybe. But then you just add in a pause at the bottom, and you might pause for let's say three seconds where you're weakest, and then back out of the hole. Um, well, what are you trying to do there? You're trying to remove the momentum. Yeah. So your muscles don't have the benefit of uh, movement bouncing out of the hole. Yeah. Not when when you when you squat, you do want that momentum. That men, momentum serves you, but if you're weak down at the bottom, remove the momentum and train in with no momentum for a period of time, and you'll get the benefits of being more stable, stronger, and activating the right muscles to get out with yeah. zero momentum. So poor squats. Yeah, I'm using, they're, they're really good. They're really hard yeah. though. They are really hard. Yeah, that's yeah, that's why you should definitely lower the weight um, when you do that. I I like it as well, because if you get to the bottom of the squat and you're you're struggling to get back up, you'll notice that there's technical failure, right? You're, you're, ideally, you shouldn't lift to technical failure, but um, if you are squatting, you're noticing your knees are collapsing in, or you are folding forwards, then lower the weight and do pause squats. Um, by doing that, you'll be able to control the movement right at the bottom range where you would normally break down, and then you would obviously come out of that. When you go to put more weight on, if you work on this for a few weeks or a few months, let's say, yeah. you'll see there's a noticeable difference within that range at the bottom because you've just managed to build that strength and stability at the bottom and, and I, avoid I, down. I totally agree. What what I do is I don't I still do my working sets, heavy sets where I'm trying to push myself for strength gains and kind of muscle gains, but I will throw in ancillary supplemental mm -hmm. exercises either on that same day or probably a different yeah, day do that, yeah. where I'm doing maybe fifty percent or sixty percent of what I'd otherwise do. And now I'm doing these kind of corrective motions where they're trying to correct work on the weaknesses, which are typically my quads. Yeah. My quads um, give up and hand over the ball to my back too often. The back gets me out of the squat when I'm struggling. Mm. And I know that because I'll forward lean and I feel the pressure on the below my back. My quads just don't work hard enough and or I haven't worked out how to get them to be more more strong and more committed to the exercise yeah so things like pull squats help but they are really tough a variation of those that you told me to do a few weeks ago which are brilliant again hard are we call them dead start yeah dead start back squats yeah and effectively take the pins of a squat rack and lower them down such that when the 
bar is on the pins and you get under the bar in this kind of low, uh, the bottom of the squat position, you are at the bottom of your natural squat. Not yeah. lower than your natural squat, not higher than your natural squat. Wherever you would normally land before you reverse and go back up, that's where you want to set the pins. Or you can set the pins wherever you find, wherever in your squat you're breaking down, set it at that height. So you've set it right where you know you're weakest, haven't you? So you've set it there. So I, I lift um, 140k on my on five sets of five on squats at the moment. Uh, when I do dead start squats, I might drop it down to say 95 to 100 kilograms. And what I what I do is I'll, I'll unrack in the normal position, it would normally be in the standing position, get myself all braced, do all the things that we've just said, and I'll do my first rep and I'll rep it normally and get to the bottom of my squat where then the bar rests on the pins. And I'll stop for a second or two, make sure my knees are out, because you know here's an opportunity to reset your position. Mm -hmm. So I'm down it. Um, is my chest forward? Okay, chest flare out a bit. Okay, my back wasn't tight enough. Let me tighten that back. Knees, force them out. Glutes, fire them up. Side of my legs, turn them on. And then move out where everything is in the position it should be. So it's not only trying to create strength, it's trying to create situational awareness that when you're in the back of your squat, this is what it should feel like. Yeah. I should be in this position, not the position I find myself in. Yeah. And that for me, I've been doing this for a few weeks, is like really, really impactful. I feel that then when I return back into the heavy squat, I've now got this kind of memory of what it should feel like as I'm trying to get out of the hole and things are just in better placement. Yeah. Really, really good. And because and you're lifting that weight from a dead start in that bottom position, it's incredibly hard. It is hard. That's it's no momentum, you, man. Exactly. And that's why you've lightened the weight, because you can't lift your normal weight from a dead stop in the weakest position, which is at the bottom. So you've now lightened the weight, and you're at the bottom position, and you've got to now push that weight up, where you get out of the squat from the bottom position without with zero momentum, and that's where you really start to develop those strength gains. There's another couple of uh, exercises you can consider. Um, you can do hack squats, so using a uh, hack squat bar um, and it ends up being a bit more um, upward a bit more kind of a, an upward body position right yeah so anything that forces your your upper body to be upright when you squat is going to put more demand on your quads and less demand on your back so if you find that your quads give up a little bit or just are not strong enough anything that forces a more upright position mm. would always be favored and yeah. should be considered as a supplemental exercise to strengthen your quads um, Single-legged stuff is also really useful. So split squats, um, Bulgarian squit, split squats, pistol squats, uh, even Cossack squats, anything that forces one leg to have to take all the load um, is going to do two things. One, strengthen that leg in isolation. So both legs may have different strength and different kind of flexibility attributes and work them independently so they both kind of develop. But two, there's a stability muscle activation piece that also happens. Yeah. Like to do a split squat with the bar on your back and basically trying to squat with one leg with the other leg like tra yeah, training behind you position. is pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it really demands a lot of your quad and you can feel it so yeah. much in your quads. And at the same time, you've got to think about keeping that knee out unilaterally. So I really like doing the single leg stuff. You're going to have to lower the weight significantly and maybe you're not 
repping it to five reps. Maybe you need to do higher reps because trying to rep at five yeah. is going to be too hard and you won't have the requisite stability and strength to do it. So maybe you're looking at eight to 12 reps, but you're now focused on muscle-mind connection, really controlling that muscle and building that stability and tension. Yeah, 100%. I, I would, if, if you're looking to increase your back squat, program in single leg work 100% because that's going to make a huge difference. And then the last piece on the weaknesses that I tell you find is if your glutes are not waking up, and it seems to be quite common in women, more common in women than guys for some reason, I'm not entirely sure why, but if you can't feel your glutes um, be called upon and turn up for the show, at the bottom of the squat, you're going to feel that there's something missing. Um, and you may have PT say, oh, just you know, fire the glutes up, and you don't know how to do that. We spoke about priming and activation work, but to how to strengthen them, go-to would be hip thrusts and glute bridges. Mm. So hip thrusts, very popular right now with the whole kind of belfy culture, booty, booty yeah. selfie culture. Um, what is that? It's you, um, uh, let's, let's try and orient this for, from a visual perspective. You've got your back on a bench. You've got your bum on the floor. You've got your knee, you've got your feet placed on the floor ahead. So you're kind of sitting on the floor with your back on the bench. You've got a barbell across your waist, across your hips, and you typically have some, some kind of prote um, foam protector around the barbell so it doesn't crush your hip bones. And effectively, all you're trying to do is you're trying to lift your butt from the floor upright so your butt is in line with your hips and your back. So your, your butt is in line with your knees and your back. And that motion of lifting your butt up from the floor upright with the barbell uh, being lifted from the floor is going to force your glutes to fire because they're going to be the dominant muscle helping you with that movement i love them they're great they're not yeah. just for curls you know guys you should be doing these they're really good to get some strength in your butt and your glutes and then you can also do glute bridges which are very similar but instead your back is on the floor versus on a bench but you get yeah. less leverage i find the hip thrust to be just more taxing and you can feel it more on your glutes. Yeah. Is it Brett Contreras? He's the glute guy. Yeah, he's a good guy to go to if you want to. He loves a hip thrust. He does. So that, that will cover the weaknesses. And guys, we have one final part which can't be forgotten when it comes to anything which is maximal lifting. And I think very, very much so in squats. Squats are quite a uh, threatening movement at heavy load it can create quite a lot of anxiety mm. people can get apprehensive and worried and scared ahead of doing a heavy squat just because there's there's no protection right you are allowing your body to kind of collapse into a vulnerable position and you've got to be able to get into that position and back out of it um so the head game is very very important yeah in my mind You've got to find a way to not be scared. You need to own the bar. You need to own the weight. And what do I do? You know, I make sure that, you know, with 30 seconds to a minute to go ahead of a lift, I'm trying to psych myself out. I'm trying to narrow my focus, forget about everything else, think about the lift, get aggress aggressive, not necessarily slam things around, but, you know, I want to feel a sense of tension and a sense of ownership and a sense of anger. 
towards so, the, the bar, yeah, right? <laughs> controlled aggression that's... Exactly. And look, if I can, I might yelp a little bit. I might, you know, do a little girl or a little, you know, come on, Steve, or like, you know, I slap my chest or stomp my feet a little bit. If I can... That's why he likes training on his own. That's why I train by myself, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But getting yourself kind of head up and ready to basically command the movement is going to be so important so important so think about your exercise starting a minute before so if you've got a two to three minute window of rest you know 30 to 60 seconds ahead of that lift you are now focusing on the lift you're not focusing on your phone you're not focusing about work you're not distracted in conversation you're not thinking about something a to-do list you have to Get into the lift. What am I about to do? Close your eyes. Think about the motion. Think about it being completed successfully. Assume success. Own the bar. Get aggressive. Completely own the next 60 seconds. Yeah. And just go in there with this kind of assertive, confident, uh, not, not scared attitude. And I think if you can do that and fully commit to it, that mental preparation will hold you in good stead as you go and do something that you haven't done before or stress your body in new ways. You've got to show up mentally as much as you show up physically. And I know when I am physically able but mentally distracted, the lift can be horrendous. Mm. Horrendous. I can break down at the bottom of the, the squat. I sometimes have to rescue myself out of the, out of the exercise or I struggle and grind my way out in a way which is forward leaning, is hurting my back, is is kind of do or die moment of like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get out of this. And there's this anxiety that builds up because I've allowed myself to get out of the moment mm. and forget what I'm doing. And unfortunately, your body needs your mind. Yeah. If your mind's not present, it's going to be, it's going to be a shit show. Yeah. And this is my, and you're talking and you're yeah you're talking mostly about your max weight, aren't you? When you're doing the low repetitions, heavy weight. If you're doing obviously higher reps and it's not so heavy, you still need to have your head head game on. You know you need to be tuned into your lift, but it's not as taxing mentally as when you're lifting for like one, two, three reps. Let's say. Oh, for sure. Yep. Yeah. That that is absolutely right. Your your level of mental turned onness is uh is going to amp up the higher the weight goes. Yeah. You know you can do fifty percent of your 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 maximal lift with with only being half in the game. Yeah. But when you're going all in, you need to be all in, in. Yeah, all in, exactly. and do whatever it takes. You know whether it's listening to really loud music, the music that gets you pumped. Maybe you need you need headphones versus just the ambient music in the gym. You're going to do anything and everything it takes that you are focused on one thing, which is aggressively and confidently move that bar for the reps that you you've been set. Yeah, game changer if you can get yourself. In and the I game. think as well, don't lift weights that you you know you can't lift because if you know you can lift it, then you're going to have that. Uh, confidence aren't you you're gonna you know you can own that weight you know you can lift it you know that you're not going to get into trouble unless something distracts you yeah and so that really talks to progressive overload you're of course going to try new weights all the time but go slowly yeah um and do it when you know you're mentally most ready like 
there might be a day you are on fire. Everything feels easy. Mm. That's the time to think about seeing how far you can go. And it might not just be fractional plates you put on at this point. You might not just jump up in two kilogram increments. You might think, actually, I can stick two fives on this and stick another 10 kilograms on the bar. I am ready. But listen to your mind and see how ready and in the zone you are. If you're not in the zone, just be prepared. Things might be a bit gnarly and you might grind out your reps. It might feel a little bit shit. Yeah. Guys, talk about masterclass, right? We went all in on the squat. I'm hoping for people that want this information, this has been valuable. Um, Some of the things you may be doing, some of the things may be new to you, but hopefully take a few gems from this. And you can go about you know, lifting more weight than you've ever done before. We'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear your progress. Do let us know. And guys, um, we are all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to improve and optimise your strength, health and mindset inside and out. Thank you. Thanks, guys. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.